Hi everyone, I'm Carla and I'm Iman and you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture including TV, movies, books, and sports. Today we're back to discuss Disney's recent live-action CGI adaptation of the 1967 classic The Jungle Book, directed by Jon Favreau. We'll review the film's excellent visual effects, its impressive cast of voice actors, and question whether the trend toward converting animated classics into live-action movies is ultimately a good or bad thing. After this, we'll end things by introducing a new segment, Screensaver Signal Boosts. Stick around, all that is after the break. This is not a game. The jungle is no longer safe for you. You're being hunted by a tiger. Down. Have I got your attention now? How many lives is a man come worth? Trust in me. Seize him. Okay, well, I'm actually really excited to talk about this movie. I can't imagine anyone who's listening isn't already familiar with the plot of The Jungle Book, but Iman, for those of us who might need a refresher, why don't we start things out with a little bit of plot talk? Sure thing. Based on the works of Rudyard Kipling, The Jungle Book is a live-action CGI remake of the Walt Disney classic from 1967. Set in the jungles of India, the film tells the story of Mowgli, here played by 10-year-old Neil Sethi, who is an orphaned human boy guided by his animal guardians as he sets out on a journey of self-discovery, also evading the threatening Shere Khan. We saw this in a packed theater the other night, and it seemed like there was a lot of excitement and curiosity towards it. What did you end up thinking, Carla? Okay, this is going to sound a little snobbish, but I think I first reacted to the trailer with an eye roll because it seemed like another unnecessary live-action adaptation of an animated classic I really loved growing up. But regardless, I was still a little curious to check it out because I knew it had a pretty outstanding cast. Uh, Just to name a few, Idris Elba is in it, Scarlett Johansson, Christopher Walken, Ben Kingsley, Bill Murray, Lupita Nyong'o, the list goes on. And it was also directed by Jon Favreau, who directed Elf and Iron Man, I believe. And I must say... I really did enjoy this movie. I thought it was an interesting adaptation, which combined elements of the original Kipling books and the 1967 Disney movie, and I was captivated by the storyline. Of course, for people who know me, you might not be surprised that I did cry a few times. And overall, I just thought this was really fun to watch. What about you? I definitely agree. I think that similar to you the initial issue i had with this movie is that it's a movie that's it's twice recycled it's based on a rudyard kipling book which was then animated into a walt disney animated film and now it's i mean in line with our current culture of recycling old Mm storylines it's turned into a cgi movie but 
I actually just really enjoyed sitting in this movie for the, what was it, hour, 40 minutes? Yeah, it wasn't very long, which was also, it It, gave it points. Exactly. It was the perfect length. It was a great PG movie that just felt like it was both a a fun kids movie, but uh, had enough weight to it to just be like a fun Friday night movie for a couple 20-something-year-olds. I I thought the visual effects, as we'll discuss, were stunning. Yeah, it, it, it surprised me with how much I enjoyed it. So one of the biggest questions I think people are going to have about this movie is how closely it sticks to the animated movie storyline. And I must say, it does oscillate between being a frame-for-frame recreation in some aspects, and then it takes more significant deviations in other ways. But overall, I'd say the biggest difference is that they clearly chose to tell the story with a much more serious tone. Do you agree? Oh, for sure. I think I noticed this the most with how dark the characters of Shere Khan, the tiger, and King Louie were. So maybe before we, we dive into this a little bit further, we can play a quick clip of Shere Khan. This is when his character was first introduced. Mowgli belongs to my pack, Shere Khan. Mowgli! They've given it a name. When was it we came to adopt man into the jungle? He's just a cop. Does my face not remind you of what a grown man can do? Shift your hunting ground for a few years and everyone forgets how the law works. Well, let me remind you. A man-cub becomes man, and man is forbidden! I think my body would get so tense every time Shere Khan was on the screen. Yeah, same. And, of course, this is a podcast. You can't see the clip that we just played, but as anyone that's seen the trailer or listened to the fact that this is a CGI, somewhat Mm live-action interpretation of the film will know... These animals look real. It looks like a real tiger. It looks like a real wolf. So when you're watching it, the tonal shift, it makes sense. It's not going to have the levity of an animated film. Of course, we mentioned the the book before, but as you said, the comparisons are going to be primarily between Disney's first film and Disney's latest film. Mm-hmm. So why don't we touch on some other key differences between the 1967 film and the Yeah, this new one. Well, one of the first things we also noticed was the absence of the Beatles vultures. Yes, I I missed them. But again, as we said, I don't think it would have worked in this movie. Yeah, a lot of those comedic beats just wouldn't work when they're being depicted by real-looking animals. So I agree with that decision. Uh, Also, interesting to note, there was very little contact with other human characters in this movie, except in a few flashbacks. Yeah, we we didn't really get to see any others. This is a completely separate note, but I'd like to ask you about it. How did you feel about the depiction of the few human characters that we did see? In our current political climate, having men in turbans on film... With no voices. Interesting. Can be somewhat problematic. How did you feel about that? 
I didn't think about it much. Okay. Yeah. What about you? I was thinking about it, but I think it's just because I'm hyper aware. Um, I was... I thought it was done respectfully. They were shown as normal people. And the th- and they were... It, they did appear to be ethnically diverse actors, Indian or Middle Eastern. Yeah, I Which think, was good. Right. <laughs> it wasn't an exodus situation. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I think... Personally, I was just trying to tease out the difference between are these men being depicted as somewhat threatening Uh or scary because we are supposed to assume the perspective of these animals, in which case it's totally justified, or are they trying... It's it's a a complicated situation. I was just I mean, obviously they're trying to depict this from the point of view of the animals but i get your point yeah i thought i thought it was an interesting point that really was only i don't want to say problematic but definitely more of an issue in a live action movie than it would be in an animated film where i mean we have an entire film like aladdin that mm-hmm. you don't think about it as much but just i just wanted to mention it because it's something that comes up in these live action adaptations something else that is obviously harder to achieve in something that has real humans in it is is the music which is really central to most early disney Disney movies what did you think about the music well they only featured two songs off the original soundtrack which are bare necessities and i want to be like you yes i feel like they just added those in Subtly, because it would be sacrilegious not to include Mm -hmm. them. But I was expecting this movie to be much more of a musical comedy. But like we've been saying, they definitely toned down the silliness. And I'm glad they did, ultimately. Yeah, I think... I don't know if it was a quote by Jon Favreau or some reviewer that I read, but I remember they said something like, Talking bear, acceptable. Singing bear, too silly. (laughs) And I... I agree. I think I don't I didn't necessarily miss it within the context of this movie. Stepping out of it, I thought, "Hey, I liked the songs from the original." But the fact of the matter is, we have the original if we yeah, want to we consult that. Yeah, we can always that. go back to that. Yeah. Another interesting thing, and this was something I didn't really notice until I was well into the movie, but there were a lot of Lion King references. Did hmm. you catch any of these? I thought about it with the wildebeests. Yes. So in one of the action sequences, there is a stampede scene similar to the one that killed Mufasa. Mm. And when, uh, spoiler alert, when Shere Khan falls to his death, it looked a lot like Scar's death in The Lion King as well. Very true. Yeah, to the point where it was frame only, by frame. Yeah, exactly. And there was even a reference to a warthog and a meerkat being in close proximity to one another. True. I don't know if Jon Favreau is just a Lion King fan, so he threw (laughs) these in, but... I think that's the thing with any Disney movie. You kind of have this vocabulary that you can borrow from, be it a visual vocabulary as with Shere Khan falling to his death, or warthogs and meerkats. But I think those are Easter eggs that Disney fans especially really love. Okay, so we have to talk about the visual effects or the special effects in this movie because that is another thing everyone is talking about. Yes, I just read a New York Times article that was 
complaining about how they inserted this human boy into a pixel forest. Mm. And I I didn't think about it that much while I was watching the movie. I didn't think it was distracting at all. I did not once think about the fact that this boy, this actor, a 10-year-old boy, is the only real thing on the screen at yes. any given point in time. So as anyone that watches Disney films knows, at the beginning you get that kind of the castle logo and in more recent Disney films, they kind of animated it. And at the beginning of this movie, this isn't really spoiling anything, but they kind of transition from that logo into the title credit for the film. Mm-hmm. That was done completely in CGI, as the rest of this movie is. But I'm being 100% honest when I say that was the only time I was thinking about CGI in this movie, where I thought, wow, all of this is CGI. Within five minutes, I had completely forgotten about it. Yeah, it was amazing. And this is a movie that has so Like we said, talking animals. But they did even... Uh, we just watched a clip with Shere Khan in it. The way that the mouths moved, it looked so... Natural. Natural. None of it felt like uh, Uncanny Valley in the... I mean, everyone makes fun of that movie. What was it? Polar Express. Uh-huh. Was that the name of the movie? Uh, with with Tom Hanks? Yeah, where several years ago this movie came out and it had CGI humans and everyone thought it was the weirdest looking thing ever. Of course, these aren't humans, but they did a really great job of just making everything look really natural and 0% distracting, which I think is the biggest compliment we can give it by saying we didn't really <laughs> notice it. Yeah. I mean, the last time we were talking about a big CGI bear, it was for The Revenant. And yeah, I have to say, in terms of the visual effects, this was pretty on par. Oh, for sure. Okay, let's talk about casting, because I mentioned it before. There's a huge star-studded cast in this film, and everyone's talking about the voice acting, but what did you think of Mowgli himself? I really, really liked Mowgli. I was a little worried that I'd find him annoying. Yeah, I um, was I was about to say, I think the most Frasier and Niles-like comment or compliment we can give is that he didn't annoy us, yeah. and that was good. <laughs> yeah, even Mowgli in the original, in the animated movie, I remember sometimes he'd kind of bug me, but... uh yeah, they, he did a really great job. I can't believe he's... You said he's 10? Mm-hmm. He was a little sassier than I expected, too, which I liked. I thought that added yeah. to the humor. <laughs> he, felt like a, he felt like a kid, uh, which was great. He didn't feel like one of those tropish... I feel like a current trope is little kids that are way too smart for their own mm-hmm. good, or they speak like adults, and he felt like a child having a lot of fun. Yeah. I really liked... Uh, the special attention they gave to his, quote, tricks. So you track Mowgli's growth by seeing him use his ingrained ingenuity to create tools and solve problems beyond the capabilities of his animal friends. And I think the movie really underscored this as the thing that set him apart from the other species, while at the same time, he was using these skills to forge new harmonious relationships with animals. So we saw this with Baloo or with the elephants. And I thought yeah, it was a nice little thread throughout the entire film. And it made me like him a lot more. 
I agree. It felt very timely that Earth Day is next week. It felt like a good nod at uh, human conscientiousness about um, living in harmony with, with the natural world. All right, so we like Mowgli. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) I mentioned a long list of prominent actors that did voiceover work on this film. Which ones stood out to you the most? I really liked Idris Elba. I've mentioned that already. But in terms of the other characters, I think Scarlett Johansson did a really great job. This is coming off of her. I think that's the last animated, or not animated, the last voiceover work that I've seen her do. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned it because I was thinking about her role as Samantha in her a lot as well. Same. She just has such a unique voice Mm -hmm. with a breathiness to it. Yeah, she has a very sexy voice. It worked (laughs) for Ka and it worked for Samantha and her, but um, do we want to do we want to play a clip? Sure. We can do that now. Who's out there? Hi, Oh, no. Don't be scared. I'm not going to hurt you. I was just passing through. I don't want any trouble. There's no trouble. Are you wrong here? Oh, that's not good. We should never I'm waiting for a friend. He should be here soon. I can stay with you until he gets here. Would that be all? I'll keep you safe. Just you and me, sweet thing. Who are you? Another thing we have to mention is that Ka in the original Jungle Book is played by a man, or mm-hmm. is a male character. He sounded a lot like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> he might have been the guy who was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> this is a complete turn. Yeah, it is. But I feel like it It was a really great choice. Yeah. There's so much reverb to, mm-hmm. and echo to her voice. Yeah, you couldn't tell where she was coming from. They just they did a really great job. Yeah. Uh, what about other characters? Do we want to talk about Christopher Walken? I always want to talk about Christopher <laughs> Walken. He was unexpectedly great. I was just so thrown by the fact that he was playing King Louie. Yeah. Another complete deviation from the original character. It was a lot more gangster. It was a lot more mafioso, yeah, where it's, kid, my ears have ears. Uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> he did a great job. I I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't as fun a scene as the original animated movie was. As we've mentioned, this movie is a lot darker. Yeah, I think overall, everyone did a great job, and the casting was pretty spot on. Let's move on and talk about this live-action trend in Disney films. We mentioned The Jungle Book is part of a much larger trend in Disney movies right now, where animated classics are being adapted as live-action films. We've seen it done before with movies like Snow White, 
Alice in Wonderland, and Cinderella, and I know a few more like Beauty and the Beast are already in production. What do you think about this larger trend, Demon? I think it says a lot that I haven't seen any of those movies. I'm pretty out on this trend, or I was pretty out on this trend. I think that it's kind of easy. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't, I haven't seen many of them bring something all that new or nothing. I don't see such a strong reinterpretation that would justify creating it besides the fact that it's using real actors instead of animating it instead Mm -hmm. of a instead of a cartoon animation so i do think there are some things lost in the translation we've mentioned before some of the levity is lost when it's a live action versus a cartoon animation but i think jungle book shows that there are some things to be gained Mm -hmm. at the very least it's introducing it to a new audience it's kind of rebranding it for people that are more in our our age group maybe yeah um in the sense that i probably wouldn't have gone back and watched the cartoon jungle book just for kicks Mm -hmm. this kind of resurrected it and at least brought it again like and dragged it out from 1967 classics into contemporary day we're we're more culturally aware about it but i mean okay here's my thought obviously when you grow up watching the animated classics you're going to have an attachment to it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost offensive to see them try to remake something that already worked and worked so well. From a business point of view, I, I understand why Disney is doing this. Mm-hmm. They have a rich treasure trove of stories, stories. Mm-hmm. that they can tell and tell again. And I actually think if you go back further... There probably already existed live renditions or live action renditions of all these stories before Disney made their animated versions. Very true. So in that sense, it's all a cycle. And right now we are in the middle of one of these new cycles where where these movies are being reimagined and readapted. So, I mean, it's a trend. It's happening. We can't yeah. stop it. Yeah, no, I, I really don't think screensaver episode whatever <laughs> is going to halt the trend, and I, and I wouldn't fight it. I think uh, what I especially like about Jungle Book, being a movie with so many animals in it instead of just, you know, human characters, is that technology is evolving. Right. And I think getting to play with these new technologies kind of forces them to put more of their creative energy into the visuals instead of the actual storytelling and whatever because they have a tried and true story and yeah i um it, I, I really appreciate that jungle book showed that there's a way you can balance the two and mm-hmm. and do it right not have one distract from the other yeah i i think that one of the biggest compliments i can pay it is that it made me a lot more open-minded about oh Maybe I'll check out Beauty and the Beast. Like, yeah, yeah. They they did an all right job. Like let's <laughs> let's keep it going. All right. Well, let's keep this discussion going too. Do you want to shift over to shout outs? Sounds great. All right. I'll go first. Shout out to Honey. 
<laughs> Nature's ointment, or that's how it was advertised in the film. And this is just a subtle shout out to one of the running jokes in this movie. Yeah. I don't want to go into the details because... You'll see what we mean <laughs> once you see it. But yeah, honey, it's great, and there are multiple uses for it. For sure. Second, we got a shout out to Mafioso King Louis and his monkey goons. Oh my god, the monkey goons. They were like <laughs> bouncers at a club. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was uh, anyone that sees this. Probably the only comedy that was added into the scenes of King Louis were his little henchmen. <laughs> I was so disappointed that they didn't have the the white-haired monkey from the original animated movie. Yeah, the one who would mime playing the trumpet. Yes, but um yeah, I think the the creepy mass of monkeys in this one kind of made up for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shout out for me to Mowgli's complete and utter fearlessness when it comes to leaping off or toward things. I think I spent half this movie really concerned over where he would land. Yeah, seriously. And then he would just do random somersaults. I was like, Mowgli, you're you're a bipedal creature. Just run. (laughs) So I think this is also a a little shout out to jungle parkour. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was great. Uh, Our next shout out is to Idris Elba and his budding voice acting career. Yes. Carla and I saw Zootopia a few weeks back, and he played the police chief of sorts in that film. Did a great job, and here he is back at it again with the the great voice acting. Another shout-out goes to Mowgli's red shorts, and more particularly, the fabric for lasting (laughs) 10 to 12 years in the jungle. (laughs) Yes, Whatever dye they used on those red shorts is insane and incredible because I would have expected a little fading. Uh, Yeah. No, and apparently he had those shorts when he was a baby in the jungle and they were long pants. Yep. Which he later converted to shorts. So, yeah, Uh, that's another one of Mowgli's tricks. Uh, (laughs) Our last and greatest shout out is to inadvertent Lord of the Rings references. There is a scene where bowing takes place, and I got some serious Return of the King flashbacks with the you bow to no one line. If you don't get that reference, I don't know how you're listening to this. But um, <laughs> yeah, there were plenty of moments where I kept thinking of, of Lord of the Rings, be it um, scenes even shot for shot, like when they're climbing uh, the mountains and decide right before they go into the mines of Moria. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just visually, a lot of it was similar. And and maybe that's to be expected because that was another movie that was on the vanguard of using visual effects. But um, yeah, I mean, not bad company. No, not at all. All right, let's get into ratings. What do you rate this movie? I give this movie 7 out of 10 Mowgli bowl haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> I think it it could have gone higher. Maybe if you caught me the second after I walked out of the theater, maybe I would have given it an eight. But um, in terms of like staying power and just what it did, like I, I'd give it an overall seven. And that's a, yeah. that's a really solid score. Yeah, I, I need to give it a C or a 
No, no, no. I think we've been giving everything eights and nines, and we need to branch out to yeah, yeah. There are ten point scale. Other numbers exist, so I'm I'm going for a seven for this one. Not to say I I still think people should check it out, but um, oh, definitely, I'd give it a seven. Yeah, me too. If if a five is average, I also give this movie a solid seven out of ten. Mowgli tricks. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I just thought it was a really heartfelt adaptation. Mm-hmm. And for the visual effects to be this good, it it warrants praise all in itself. So, for sure. In the in the coming weeks, I think we might get more more race readings and more about the problematic depictions of X and Y. And while I'm all for those conversations in any context, I definitely think it's a, it's a fun time. It's worth going and seeing. Definitely. And worth seeing in the theaters because... Definitely worth seeing in the theaters. The sounds, the, the visuals. Yes. You, you want to be wrapped up in it. Yeah, I know we said that of The Revenant, which was visual in a very different way, but Mm -hmm. still completely worth going just for the immersive experience. Definitely. All right, well, that wraps up our discussion on The Jungle Book. Before closing things out, I mentioned before we wanted to introduce a new segment to our podcast, and we're calling it Screensaver Signal Boosts. So Iman and I often consume a lot more film, books, and TV, if you can believe it, than we are able to cover here on this show. So I thought we should add a short segment at the end of each episode that allows us to give a brief shout-out, plug, or endorsement to something we're reading, watching, or listening to as of late that we've really enjoyed. So Iman, what would you like to give a signal boost to this week? I want to boost the movie Sing Street, which I saw last night and I'm still riding off the high of. It's a musical comedy drama film written, produced, and directed by John Carney, who's probably best known for the Oscar-winning musical romantic drama Once. I love that movie. Uh, The story... uh, Sing Street's story, at its most stripped down, is about a boy starting a band to impress a girl. Interesting. I was already in when I read that, but uh, like most classic indies, it throws in a fun, quirky group of friends, uh, arguing parents, the struggles of living in a, a small Irish town. There's a dream sequence dance number. It was a sweet, sincere movie with a really lovely Irish cast, and as was the case with Once, I also seriously loved the music. There are some movies where... The music comes on, or especially with musicals for me at least, sometimes the music comes on and you're kind of like, Ugh, okay, just get the story going. But with this one, I, I was all in. Once, if any of you have seen it, you know, it's all about heart-wrenching alternative folk music. But this movie indulged a whole spectrum of, of 80s pop. It mm. had songs like The Riddle of the Model, um, which sounds straight out of Flight of the Concords, which is great. Uh, also, Drive It Like You Stole It, which I played for you last night, and you said it sounded like what you'd imagine One Direction to sound. <laughs> uh, if that's what they sound like, man, I've passed up on a really fun band. But yeah, the, the soundtrack uh, also has a few tracks from icons like Duran Duran, uh, The Cure, Holland Oates. I'll definitely be giving that soundtrack a, a solid listen in the coming weeks. Um, some quick notes on casting. Uh, the main actor... Ferdia or Ferdia Walsh Pilo 
I'm pretty sure this is his first film. His Wikipedia doesn't even have a picture. Uh, yeah. So th- that tells you something. Um, I was pretty astounded to to read that because I think he did a great job. I think he's he's 16 or 17 maybe. Oh, nice. uh, yeah. Jack Rayner, who plays his older brother, deserves a special shout out. He lent a lot of depth to the movie and was just, he just did a great job. Uh, finally, fans of Game of Thrones will recognize Aidan Gillen, who's Peter Baelish or Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. <laughs> he plays their father. Uh, yeah, guys, it was it was a great hour and forty minutes or so, perfect amount of time. Yeah, definitely check it out. All right, so Sing Street. Sing Street, yes, sounds good. For me, I would like to signal boost two TV shows. One we've mentioned before on this podcast, Better Call Saul. This, of course, is the prequel to Breaking Bad that follows the transformation of Jimmy McGill to Saul Goodman. We are close to finishing season two right now, so we're recording this on a Sunday and the finale airs tomorrow. And I have to say, the show is as good as it's ever been, if not better. A lot of people have complained about the show's pacing, but it's really given us a chance to take a deeper dive into some of the more peripheral characters. So Kim Wexler, who's Jimmy's best friend, she's had a lot more of a prominent role this season, and my love of this character has only grown as a result. And also the development of Jim and his brother Chuck's relationship continues to be What I think is one of the most interesting dynamics I've ever seen on TV, and we've definitely reached a major turning point in the series, so I'm really excited to see where it goes next. For sure. I can't can't second this endorsement (laughs) more. There were a few episodes in season two that were, yeah, a little slower, I'll admit. I almost fell off the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. At least I had one toe off the bandwagon, but man, it, it pulled me right back and I can't. I can't be more excited for the finale. And just one quick plug, season one is on Netflix. So right. for anyone that hasn't hasn't jumped into the series yet and liked, or even if you didn't see Breaking Bad, definitely recommend it. Yeah. And my second TV recommendation is for a show that actually just ended. Of course, this is American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Produced by Ryan Murphy and starring Cuba Gooding Jr. and John Travolta, this was a show that, for all intents and purposes, wasn't supposed to be this good. On paper, it seemed like it was just going to further sensationalize a story that was already hugely sensationalized by the media and popular culture. But then it did something I don't think anyone was expecting and began to focus more and more on the characters of Marsha Clark. Chris Darden, and Johnny Cochran, and it was amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, again, I couldn't recommend it enough. Those three performances are going to be three of the best we'll see on television all year, and the story itself is something that was not only entertaining to watch, but felt really important and timely. So that's my. those are my two recommendations, Better Call Saul Season 2 and... Uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson. Fantastic. Well, if you decide to check out any of these recommendations or do watch The Jungle Book, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach us by following us on Twitter at ScreensaverPod and by liking our Facebook page, ScreensaverPodcast. 
As always, you can find other episodes of Screensaver on iTunes and sometimes SoundCloud. Anyway, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.